Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And of course, this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. Across the room from me is... uh, uh, our favorite doctor, our favorite cardiologist. Well, maybe yours, but I'm not the favorite of myself. Doctor, That'd be bad. Dr. Franklin Weefald, who is not only a cardiologist, but an internal medicine specialist. So if you have a question about any part in your body, don't feel constrained to just the heart, because he'll answer uh, any questions. We've got a special guest uh, for the first part of the show, because we, we like to like to have people in and have them uh, talk about their specialties. Dr. Pavlo Natrebko from Cary Cardiology uh, is with us. Doctor, hello. Hello, how are you? Terrific. Pavlo is one of my favorite doctors. Not only is he skilled, he's got a good bedside manner and a wry sense of humor. That's a good thing. Absolutely. To get along with you. Yeah. So, Pavlo, tell us about what atrial fibrillation is, because that's the subject of today's talk. Now, Pavlo just doesn't treat atrial fibrillation. He puts in pacemakers to keep people's hearts fast enough so they can do what they got to do. He puts in defibrillators, and a topic for another show will be these things called biventricular pacemaker defibrillators that have really helped patients with heart failure. This is another ride-along inside your skin kind of thing? absolutely. I call it an emergency room in a can. Okay, so what is AFib? Well, it's a very common arrhythmia that seems to be more and more prevalent with every year. Why is that? Why is it getting more common? I think there are several theories. Uh, One of them is that people tend to live longer nowadays. The second theory is that they tend to be heavier than they used to be in the past, and that leads to kind of increased pressure inside of the heart chamber. Sure. And enlargement of left atrium, which is the chamber where atrial fibrillation is generated. So atrial fibrillation is a rhythm. The patients generally start to feel palpitations where their heart's racing or skipping. What causes that? The atrial fibrillation rhythm is much faster than the normal heart rate, so it doesn't really follow the body's requirement. It just sort of behaves like a runaway train. So it's electricity in the top part of the heart that's just not beating regularly. Is that it? Yeah, it completely loses all the order in the top chambers of of the heart. So it's just part of the heart, not the entire heart? Right. So the bottom two chambers, the main pumps, if they went into fibrillation, that could potentially be fatal. But the atriums, the priming pumps, they could be non-functional and you can still be able to to survive but your quality of life would deteriorate you didn't know this but when you were describing well you know we're getting heavier uh you know we're living longer you keep describing me i keep living longer and i'm getting heavier when or what should i listen for or feel for to know i've got some sort of atrial fibrillation well in the in the past it was uh Simply a descriptive, uh, you know, uh, simply descriptive uh, 
ask for a patient, you say, well, listen to your pulse whenever you take your blood pressure, doesn't sound regular, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Nowadays, we have quite a few technical devices, those smart watches, especially Apple Watch, that can alert you to atrial fibrillation. Yeah. What do you think of the iWatch or the Apple Watch? They've, they've been really touting this to pick up AFib in people who haven't had it before. So I think that I'm actually surprised at how accurate it is. And I think with the latest generation, they also added a functionality that can alert you to your regular heartbeat by you just wearing the watch. So I think it's very, it's very helpful for folks who are on Apple ecosystem. I don't think... To my, my knowledge, that there's any Android-type uh, watch that can do the same. Yeah, I've, I've taken my EKG very regularly on my on my Apple Watch. Really? Of course, my, my heart's pretty regular. But you think I it's did, good? Well, yeah, I have had what's called premature ventricular contractions where the bottom part jumps, and it's picked it up. So, Pablo, how do you? what's the dangerous thing about AFib? What's this business about needing to be on an anticoagulant, which a lot of people call blood thinners? Why is that? Because the top chamber loses electrical order, it doesn't really perform as a pump. And there are a couple of nooks and crannies where the blood can just stagnate and congeal. And if that clot travels, it can cause a stroke. And it's very important to realize that it's not a problem with a person's blood being too thin or too thick. It's the problem of losing the purposeful motion of the chamber that creates the condition for a clot. Yeah, a lot of patients will complain to me when they start on um, one of these anticoagulant medications that they feel cold because they're they're on a blood thinner. How do you respond to that? How do you explain to patients that their blood is not runny, it's just not clotting as much? Well, I think that uh, you can always expect folks to kind of act on their beliefs, but I think that the majority of people on blood thinners should not feel any colder than yeah, the viscosity, if we call it, is the same. I mean, what I try, try to tell the patients is that if we were to take their blood and measure how runny it is, it would still be the same. But I get that all the time. Yeah, I'm cold now, Dr. Weefall. I'm on a thinner. My blood's too thin. We had a caller on the radio on another program earlier today saying, I'm going to get a pacemaker in, and they think I'll be in the hospital later on You know, in the week. I won't be, won't be able to call the radio show. <laughs> This next week, right? And how long is the recovery time and how invasive is this to get a pacemaker in? Because, you know, I I honestly believe Dr. Weefold is, pay, is lining me up for every heart, uh, you know, thing that he can think of. He's lining me up for a pacemaker right now. Um, how long am I going to have to stay in the hospital? Uh, most folks get discharged next day. Uh, there's some... Uh, thought that maybe same-day discharge would be as safe as a next-day discharge. Yeah. Have you been doing that? Because when I was putting in pacemakers, I I sort of always kept them overnight. There's something called a pneumothorax where when you put the needle in underneath the collarbone to get into that vein, sometimes yeah. you can sort of nick the lung and it, it sort of drops and there's air in the lung in the outside cavity. I mean, what do you think, Pablo? Is it necessary nowadays to keep everybody in overnight? Well, I feel that if it was me getting this procedure, I would insist on staying overnight. Yeah. Because some of those pneumothoraxes can only manifest 10 to 12 hours later. Yeah. I had that happen. 
I've had about what I put in four thousand pacemakers and had about five pneumothoraces. Yeah, you know, when the lung dropped. So that wasn't too bad. But let's get back to the AFib now. There's medicines to treat it. What do these medicines do to treat this atrial fibrillation? Well, there's sort of a two general classes of medicines. One are commonly also used for blood pressure measurements. They just make the atrial fibrillation attack less noticeable by slowing down the heart. And those are usually used as a first-line medicines. But the second class... They're truly addressing the atrial fibrillation. They're called antiarrhythmics. So they work on ion channels in the heart, and they can reduce the frequency and the duration of atrial fibrillation spells. And quite a few folks can buy many years of arrhythmia control on those antiarrhythmic medications. So now you're an expert, and I send virtually all of my patients to Pavlo to get this thing called an ablation. And so in layman's terms, what are we doing with an ablation? Um, how does it work? How do you do it in, in very simple terms? And, and does it work well? I mean, are you a big believer? I think that uh, when we only had medications to control atrial fibrillation, inevitably we would come to a point where medication would stop working and the patient would really be left with no choices but to accept that his quality of life would never return to normal. But what we can do with ablation, we can sort of create a firewall around the bad electrical signals in that left atrial chamber, and that can drastically improve quality of life. So, so basically, you put them on a table, mm-hmm. you clean up their leg, and then you put this long tube that's got a, a radio frequency thing on the end, and you sort of zap the tissue around the veins that come in from the lungs. How hard is that, and how successful is it? Well, I think that the procedure for this atrial fibrillation ablation application has been around for a good 20 years, so we have really gone a long way as far as the technology and the proficiency. So the key to this technology is 3D mapping. It's a special kind of a position, sort of like a GPS that helps you orient inside of the heart that can give you very high precision. So one or two millimeter motion could be detected and this procedure is done on the beating heart with a with a breathing patient. So I think it's a very, very advanced technology that really helped. How many of these procedures are you doing a week? Truly between five and six because this arrhythmia is truly very, very common. Well, listen, we've got to run, but it's been great to have you. Thank you. And uh, I'll be sending you some more people who are very happy (laughs) and doing well. Have a great day, Pablo. Thank you. Thank you. That's Dr. Pablo Nutrebko with Cary Cardiology. Didn't get to ask him whether he had a dog, you know, Pablo's dog. Or is that Pavlov's dog? Yeah, there's a different guy. Okay. There's a totally different different doctor. Well, he must have practiced on dogs. No, it's it's totally different. All right, coming up on heart health, unethical doctors. See, we start with an ethical doctor, and then we move on to Everybody thinks we're unethical now. Jewel, and what's really behind this? The no-no diet. The Mayo Clinic's got a a cure. I'm not going to say cure. It's got a vaccine in the works for breast cancer. Details on that. And fake news coming up. Call us also, 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio. 
Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. And I want to find out whether the A, whether the radio they use during the ablation, the insert some sort of radio, is it AM? Well, no, it's, it's called radio frequency because it's in that same thing. I asked them if they could just play WPTF through the catheter, <laughs> but it would have to be our show because it's so irritating. You're right. You're right. <laughs> if they got uh, ask the neighbor or something or, you know, the, the old repeats of, well, never mind. All right. So here's the deal. We did not ask Dr. Natripko about plaque psoriasis. Well, because he's, you know, he's not a plaque psoriasis. Oh, he's expert. not. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that's plaque psoriasis. I'm very excited because a friend of mine who lives in Greenville is going to start at 2 o'clock their new treatment for plaque psoriasis. Now, what is plaque psoriasis? You've seen this. People are very upset. They have these huge plaques of tissue that are red and irritated. They can have them all over their back, on their knees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. My friend happens to have it mainly in the scalp and now i have it and it's in my ear and on my ear we don't know really what causes it completely but we know it's an autoimmune disease and we have a elevated immune uh, inflammatory protein called il interleukin 23 okay so these brilliant people uh work for a company and they came up with this blocker of il 23 it's a monoclonal antibody and what I'm does that mean? That it's down, a yeah. produced antibody. We have antibodies in our body yeah. to fight strep throat, to fight the flu virus. In fact, that's how a vaccine works. It produces a, a antibody in your own body to yeah. fight. It's tailored to fight the flu virus. Well, they developed this in the lab, and it's a pure antibody. It's a human antibody. So it's the same type of antibody you would make, and it's against interleukin-23. It works. Now... What it does is it gets in your system. You give it by a little shot through a little teeny-weeny needle under your skin. Yeah. And it gets this antibody flowing through your bloodstream and blocking IL-23. And guess what happens over time? The psoriasis goes away. And it's fantastic. Now, the medicine that this, my friend's going to get is called Skyrezi. It's a funny name. It's a brand name. It's got some very funny generic name. But anyway... The shot happens, and then you wait four weeks, and you get another shot. And guess what? You don't have to get the shot, but every three months. Is this something I see a specialist in? Yes, dermatology. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. I'm, I don't ever see a dermatologist because they have a great life. It's nine to four in the office. <laughs> you don't, but they're you the don't ones, pass each other. They're the one. right. There's never a dermatologist in the hospital when you want one. <laughs> but anyway... It's fantastic. And I tell you, this is the reason why I bring it up is because like a lot of autoimmune diseases, we talked about Crohn's disease once. Uh We talk about um, rheumatoid arthritis. We talk about lupus. And these new medications, these monoclonal antibodies are developed to a certain inflammatory protein or chemical that is specific or almost specific to their disease. And it works. Um, there are some side effects you got to watch for. You can have an allergic reaction, things like that. Yeah. But I'm very excited. Um, my friend has it mainly in the scalp, although um, there are lesions on the skin, too. And I think very excited for this person who's going to get better. Now, the other monoclonal antibody that's out today, Amovig, A-M-O-V-I-G. Sure. Migraine headaches. 
Really? Yes. And there are people with migraines who have an elevated calcitonin gene-related peptide. They developed an antibody. I have that. Oh, well, you know. I've, I'm trying to sometimes. They caught it in a sports, yeah. sports I'm trying, medicine. Sometimes that was turning my I'm head trying to be and, specific okay, in case sorry. there's a real doctor listening. But anyway, this monoclonal antibody blocks that protein. Yeah. And their headaches get better. Now, That's good. there are some people whose headaches go away completely. And there are some who get maybe five headaches a month instead of ten, but it's very promising. And this whole field of monoclonal antibody treatment, I think, is going to be fantastic. It's been around for 20 years. We had Humira for rheumatoid arthritis and for Crohn's disease, but we're developing every day. Betty Smith has called in on our 919-860-9783 number. Betty, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi, Hello, yes, sir. Um, I have the um, PNG unit, yeah. and I'm a little bit stuck on how to get it to work. I didn't know I was on um, TV or whatever, but um, I just need to walk through this. Betty, we're having a hard time understanding you. Tell me, uh, is there a particular medical condition you've you've you got, experienced? You have back pain with this TENS unit? Is that what it is? Yes, I have degenerative back disease, yeah. um, uh, fibromyalgia, low back pain, uh, two hip surgeries, um, lower pain in my hips. Has the but TENS unit worked for you? I haven't got to use it. Apparently, uh, I dialed the wrong number. All right. Well, let me tell you what it is. A TENS unit. I don't remember I what T-E-N-S means. I just can't get it. You can't get it. Why not? I just can't. I mean, I just can't. I've got it. Now, Every Betty, I, I have to admit, I had one, and I, I, I don't know, we bought it in the mall, and, and uh, plugged it in, turned it on, plugged it to me. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Is that what you're going through? Betty, do you feel anything? No, I ordered this. You from, ordered it. Um, okay. All right, well, well, let's so, so out. let's talk about what a TENS unit is. It yeah. is a battery-driven device that produces electrical signals. You tape it to your skin. Right. And then it's supposed to fire these electrical signals through the skin right. and sort of interrupt the nerve that's causing pain. So the nerve, your nerves run on electricity. It's not really a wire, but it's a long um, tube right. of protoplasm, of tissue, that conducts electricity. So... If it's firing, causing pain signals to go to your brain, then what the TENS unit tries to do is overpower with outside electricity so that the electrical signals can't get through the nerve. It works for some people tremendously. For others, it doesn't work at all. Right. But what they've tried to do now is do an internal stimulator so you can have a implanted back stimulator that is like a pacemaker. In fact, it really is just a cardiac pacemaker, but the wire is attached to a certain area in your back where they know these nerves are firing because they're compressed by arthritis and they're irritated. Right. For some people, it works fantastically. Yes. For others, we don't know why. It doesn't work at all. Are those things that are sold basically in a kiosk at the mall or at the state fairgrounds or Whatever. Is that the same thing? Well, here's the problem, is that you don't have an expert to put it on you to begin with and test it. Yeah. So I have a lot of people who go to pain clinics, and the pain clinics will get them a TENS unit that's, you know, um, FDA approved. And 
I don't know how expensive it is, but then they put it on you and then they turn it up and tune it up because obviously it has to be adjusted. The electricity, the amount of it has to be adjusted so it works. And so I think 10 units can work. I think that pain clinic doctors, neurologists, um, neurosurgeons, they can help you with developing the right prescription. That's what it is. It's an electrical prescription to see if the TENS unit actually works. All right. Thank you, Betty. Thank you very much. All right. So we have some fake news. And when we say fake news, the the fake news is that somebody has put something out there and you just know it's not right. Let's deal with that one first. Okay. So what's happened? There's an article that says, we looked at people who exercise. And the people who had a set time So 10 a.m. they exercised or 8 p.m. they exercised. They claim that that's the key to weight loss is that you have to set a time and do it and then you'll lose weight. Well, let me tell you, exercise is important for your overall health. But if you try to lose weight just by exercising, it ain't going to happen. Let me give you an example. Okay, you can run on a treadmill for an hour and lose 300 calories. But there's no, a I very don't. simple way to lose 300 calories without running on a treadmill. Yeah, what's that? Don't eat the Big Mac, okay? <laughs> a Big Mac is 350 calories. So if you go to McDonald's and you say, Ixnay on the Big Macsnay, you just run an hour on the treadmill. Okay. I just so go to, go to McDonald's and not order anything. Right. Or right. follow their caloric instructions or listings on their menu. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, okay. And, and so... The, the people who exercise at a certain time, they're type A's, right? So what does that mean? It means that they know not only they have to exercise, right. but I guarantee you they're sticking to their diets more. Oh, when you exercise at any time, you're more inspired not to have the Big Mac. Right. Trust or, me on this. Or you say, well, I'll exercise this afternoon, and you don't do it. Because yeah. you're watching I Love Lucy instead. Amen. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that if you decide, okay, I'll start exercising at 8 a.m. every day and you're going to lose weight, it ain't going to happen. Just right. don't eat the Big Mac. We have more fake news coming up and some news that's actually real and you can trust it. Uh, and medical advice also on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. If you missed the first part of the show, that's all right. We have it available to you at WPTF.com podcasts or iTunes, or you could go to hearthealthradio.com. And later on today, we'll have links to many of the articles we talk about during today's program. It's awesome. I, I, we've got a, it's, it's a long, Address, But think of it. The show's called Heart Health. We're on the radio. Ad.com. That's it. HeartHealthRadio.com. Three easy, common nouns. Easy. Really easy. Just write it on your hand. Write it on your hands now. Uh, so you wanted to talk about more fake news on this break? Well, I tell you. Um, There's something fa- about fa- doctors. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to say yeah. is that. Doctors are not, by nature, unethical. And you're going to see all these articles that come out about doctors being unethical. Right. The one that came out that caught my eye is that we take money from drug companies, and therefore we're unethical. Okay. You know, what is this? We get. We used to be able to get pens. We used to be able to take vacations with these drug companies. Now, basically, it's lunches. So 
I have about three days per week. I let the drug companies come in and feed us. And they want to get rid of that because that's unethical. I figure if I get a hamburger, I'm going to write their drug. So just so you know this, everybody out there, that the powers that be who are criticizing us for taking at lunch, look at their journals, the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, I'm not going to say this because I might get in trouble with this organization, but they have a journal. And what's the journal full of? Ads. Drug advertisements. I get so pop somehow, up ads. I get pop up ads right. on on experienced medical journals. Right. And so the point I'm trying to make is that why is it the powers that be who claim that we're unethical because we get lunches from the drug companies yeah. power their journals financially through drug company ads. Are you telling me that nobody's gonna write an extra script because of You know, a I, I have never in my life yeah. Been influenced by a hamburger. Oh. Except maybe to get another hamburger. <laughs> okay. All right. Lee has got a question. Thank you for calling 919 860 9783. Hey, Lee. Hello, uh, Dave and Dr. Weaver. Um, I was Dr. Weaver, but I was hospitalized just less than two years ago with heart failure. And since the doctor put me on five different heart medicines. Okay. Um, but about the stomach, how critical is it to have a thin stomach in order to have a healthy heart? And um, while I'm thinking about it, my thing I remember my BMI body mass index okay. was 29. What is a good body mass index? Okay. His body mass index is about 29. Okay. And Lee is concerned that he still has, let me just speak for you, Lee, you still have a little bit of a gut, right? Yeah, you still uh, have a belly. True? I'm satisfied that uh, somewhat that I've lost four or five pounds in the last month. Okay, I went good. from 171 to between 164 and 168. Okay, so you're 160, let's call you on the low end, 164, and you're how tall? 5'9". Uh, 5'9". Okay. okay. How's well, he doing? Um, I think you're doing pretty good. Uh, the body mass index that everybody shoots for is 30. And, you know, you're right there. Um, so I would I think, we speak up. yeah, I would think um, the most important thing for me in talking to you about your weight is your belly. You got a lot of belly roll there. I mean, can you grab, like me, can you grab your belly and, and take a whole handful? Lee, I hate to even ask. I've never asked this of another man. Would you grab your belly and see if you can get a handful? Lee? I cannot. I cannot because it's firm. It's, it's uh, firm. Yeah. Okay. So here's the important thing. Yeah. In patients with heart disease, the data seem to indicate that it's belly fat. That is a dangerous situation. Now, okay. I use the word dangerous. It puts you at higher risk for heart attack. It puts you at higher risk for worsening heart failure. Mm-hmm. So, I think you're doing all right. I mean, if you're about 165 uh, and you're five, yeah, five foot nine, and I think your BMI is, and, and your whole body is pretty good. That means your, your fat is distributed in a pretty I, even I, manner. And it I seems. Got one more thing to say about. Uh, sure. Fake news. Yeah, what else? Fake Go- news is CNN talking junk about Trump 
nonstop every day. That's fake news. I understand. Well, he says that fake news is uh, some groups talking about Trump every day. Oh, about and that's, the president? Yeah, about the president. Yeah, um, one of the things I want to say about that is that we talk about medical fake news. Yeah. There are, there, it's far more prevalent in politics. Okay. Let me – do you know the, the, the whole concept that everybody hates Trump? Okay. Did you hear about the rally he had just the other night? I did, yes. Okay. 20,000 people. Yeah. Well, not only that, 20,000 only fit. In the arena, they had fifty some thousand. Now, guess how many were Democrats? Twenty one percent in the arena. No, in the whole thing. And guess how many were Hispanic? Now, supposedly all Hispanics hate Trump. If you believe the fake news, fifteen percent were Hispanic. Yeah. And here's the thing: the Democrats should be quaking in their boots about. Twelve percent had never voted before. Yeah, and you get that twelve percent of the United States. Who vote for the first time, and it's going to be Trump. We talk about this one right here. Absolutely. My Lee- Gmail said, "My Gmail said Trump is going to sue CNN. I hope he breaks CNN." Yeah, Lee. Thank you very thank much for, you calling. for calling. I appreciate you calling. Thank you. CNN Health put out something that said that um, that baby food ninety eight percent of the baby foods that they tested had metals in yeah. them. Okay, so here's the thing that, that bothers me about this, is that how many mothers now are throwing away their Gerbers and yeah. saying, this company is poisoning my baby. All right, they probably wouldn't talk like that. Am I going to get in trouble for making no, that, that really. sound? Okay, no. they'll say, this baby food is poisoning my baby. Anyway, it's not. Arsenic is everywhere. Okay, take a deep breath. Yeah. You've just got arsenic in your body. You okay. cannot ever have an arsenic-free or a lead-free situation. And mm-hmm. they even say in the article, it's one part per gazillion. Yeah. And we don't know whether that's dangerous or not. But they're trying to tell you that it, you have to be lead-free and arsenic-free in mm-hmm. order to be healthy. That's impossible. Okay. okay, that can't happen. So don't throw away your baby food. Millions, if not billions, of healthy people are walking the face of the earth who got fed Gerber or baby food in a jar. Have you ever had it? You ever eat it? Yes. It's pretty darn good. <laughs> and so don't throw away your baby jars of food on the basis of this crazy article, which is, by the way, yeah. Um, sponsored by these environmental hate groups who hate corporations, who hate everything, and are trying to tell you that unless you vote for us, mm-hmm. you're going to kill your baby with Gerber. Okay, my alternate was, or the alternate vision of this is, okay, if there is this tiny bit of uh, toxic heavy metals in baby food, probably going to be in peanut butter, probably going to be in anything else that I give my child and the, otherwise. the air you're breathing right now. I mean, after all, you're in front of a metallic yeah. microphone. Yeah. You think those metals aren't dispersing in the air? Of course I th- they are. I think more about the people who sat in front of the microphone before me. I, I don't know why I'm still alive. I don't think that. You don't think so? No, because, okay. listen, your immune system is good. Right. Unless this person had an active flu virus, and you did not get your flu shot, don't worry about it. Okay. 
919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Our web address is hearthealthradio.com. And we are on the Heart Health Radio Network. We've got some things to talk about. The Mayo Clinic may have solved a major medical issue. I'm actually excited about this. This is, this is a good thing. This also, is not, not fake news. And an update about Juul. And we'll talk about the no-no diet because we hint about it on every show, but we haven't gone through top to bottom what it is. Yeah. And we'll do that next segment on Heart Health Radio Helping you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down, throw my hands Our theme song was written by the Isley Brothers. I love them. On Heart Health Radio, or the Heart Health Radio Network, where the telephone number is and remains 919 and the shout-out today is to Mary League. Yeah, Mary, uh, probably not listening, uh, but I hope she is. Mary League is my one of my favorite patients. Yeah. She is what we call a survivor. Okay, she had a baby. She was pushing out the baby 14 years ago and had a heart attack right there. No. Yeah, and she was found to have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue. So her arteries were weak, and as she pushed... She strained the artery to the heart and ripped it, and we couldn't get it open uh, because the hole inside of the artery was ripped. She had a big heart attack, so a lot of her heart is weak. So what did we do? We put in a defibrillator, and what happened? It got infected. Almost killed her. We put another one in. What happened? It got infected. Almost killed her. So she went a couple years without one, and then she developed really bad breathing problems, undiagnosed and then she was coming to my heart walk. I had a heart walk sponsored to get people healthy. She was driving there. This is about seven, eight years ago. Somebody T-boned her. So she, massive injuries, you know, lung collapse, tore the artery in her leg and recovered. She moved away for a while. Somebody else gave her a defibrillator. And what happened? Yeah. It got infected. Uh, but this time they didn't take it out. They cured it with antibiotics, okay? Well, you know the breathing problem? Sure. Alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. So? That means she doesn't have it? a protein that helped repair damage to the lung. Yeah. And there is a fix. And it's made by um, a company, Griffles, right. which takes blood products, and they made alpha-1 antitrypsin. It's $20,000 a month. Somebody comes to her house. Gives her the infusion and her lungs are better. So there is nobody. And, and let me tell you, if you saw her in my office, she looks great. Yeah. And I've never heard her once complain, why me? Never. Not she, Those two words have never come out of her mouth. Yes. She's always smiling. She's always happy. Well, at least in the office. Sure. And so there's the greatest shout out to Mary League because she epitomizes what we in modern medicine can do today is keep people who have these conditions alive. Hey, she sent her DNA off to 23andMe. Yes. And they they wrote back pretty quickly, "Um, you've got Erlos-Danlos and alpha-1-A trypsin. And she said, tell me something I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good that they check for that sort of thing. Oh, it's amazing. We'll talk about that someday. I think it's an amazing thing that everyone should do. 
But everyone's got to make an informed choice. And, of course, Heart Health Radio brought to you in part by the uh, Tartar Sauce Clinic, which is just down the road from the Mayo Clinic. Now, the, now the Mayo Clinic. The Tartar Sauce Clinic. The Tartar Sauce Clinic, they, they do a lot of really good research into fish yes. and omega-3. And that's good. But the Mayo Clinic, yes. they came up with, now, they think that they have a vaccine, a vaccine for breast cancer. Well, uh, remember we talked, well, I obviously remember we talked about the monoclonal antibody for plaque psoriasis. So what they're doing is they're developing a method where they give you a vaccine and it jazzes up your immune system yeah. to specifically fight breast cancer. And it's in the very early stage. And, you know, I I don't like studies that are in the very early stage that come out and say, if you eat pistachios on Thursday, there's yeah. a less risk for you to have a stroke. But this is actually very interesting because they've got models in animals where they've tested it and it works. Mm -hmm. And when you have somebody at the Mayo Clinic doing this, Johns Hopkins and Mayo Clinic, uh, Harvard, um, I think that they're not going to say anything unless they've got some really good evidence. So these monoclonal antibodies that cured, or not curing, but are treating plaque psoriasis, they've been in the works for a long time. And I believed in them because the research is there. So I, it's going to be about eight years um, before they think they're going to have this on the market. And all I can say is I hope it works Yeah. because it will be another magical thing that's not magic. It's science, but it seems magical. That's going to do so much good. Assuming no ill effects from the vaccine, do you think that – Typically, women are just going to get this shot. Well, I, I think so. Now, one thing to get back, it's only this thing has only been shown to work on a model for what we call triple negative breast cancer. That's where you don't have three receptors that make the breast cancer um, a certain type. And, and so triple negative is, is a certain type of breast cancer. But these these models that are that are there, the, the animal models that they're doing, is it's working very amazingly. So it also may work for ovarian cancer, which at this point in time is much more difficult to treat than even breast cancer is. Wow. So remember your tax dollars. Some of it's going to the National Institutes of Health. Yeah, and they're giving out um, not all of the grants to sponsor this research. But just remember, if you're paying your taxes, you're supporting this, and you're part of the solution to these really bad health problems. Very good. We haven't talked about specifically the no-no diet in a while, but there was an article in this stack somewhere about the Scandinavian diet. The Scandinavian diet. I'm half Scandinavian, is, so. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm half Norwegian. I did not, really, yeah. I did not know that. Half Chinese, half Norwegian, only right. in America. Only in America. Yeah. Well. It also happens in Scandinavia no, and in China There are sometimes. no Chinese people in Norway. Okay. All right. uh, there probably are. All right. So the question is, what should I eat this week and what should I stay away from? You right. titled your advice the no-no diet right. because there's a series of things that are no-nos. I should, I should stay away from. Right. What are they? The white flour products, sugar products. Mm-hmm. Potato, and I mean white potato products and white rice. Now, when I say no, no, you know how your mother would say that's a no, no, and you still did a little bit of it. Amen, I did. Right. And so 
what I'm trying to say is our diets are composed of such high amounts now of these products. And so what they do is they, they're broken down. These white, white flour is just a series of sugar molecules linked together. You know what high fructose corn syrup is? Sugar. Well, yeah, but where do they take it? They take it from corn. Sure. Now, corn, it's not sweet corn. It's just corn. And they, they purify these, these goos of yeah. long chains of sugars that right. come from the corn. And they break it down enzymatically. They have these little proteins that break it down into simple fructose and sucrose. That's why it's sweet. But it's not naturally sweet. It's broken down by an enzyme. So it's the same thing happens in your body. You take white flour and the bacteria in your body break it down into a simple sugar. That simple sugar is used to power the energy in your brain and other parts of your body. But what's left over is stored as fat. So that when there's a famine, you'll yeah. have fat stores that can supply your body with energy. I'm ready for that famine. Absolutely. I'm so, ready. What I do with a no-no diet is make it simple. Instead of saying, you need to cut back on your intake of simple carbohydrates, I name them. So biscuits. In America, in the South, everybody loves a breakfast biscuit. Amen. So eat the egg and the bacon, but throw away the biscuit. The problem is the biscuit is so good. The French fry. Oh, my gosh. French fries are ubiquitous. Cut back. It's a no-no. Um, anything, Pringles. I say that because I love Pringles. In the afternoon at 4 o'clock, I'll grab a mouthful, and then I'm powered up, and I can go again. That's your sugar high that comes from a Pringle. Okay. And I have sugar equivalents. So a piece of bread is five teaspoons of pure sugar equivalent to your body. So if you're French, part of the no-no diet will be the baguettes, the croissant. So... I try to make it simple. I name the foods, white bread, white bread buns. Now, they say, what should I eat? Whole grain bread. Whole grain bread is wonderful. Those little bits in there, that means it's got the husk, and the husk is good for you. It's fiber. It prevents being broken down into simple sugars. But you want me to probably look at the ingredients to make sure it's just not white bread with a little bit of brown in there yeah, but and you know, covered with nuts. You know, like granola. Granola is horrible for you. Is it horrible? Is it sugary? Why? It's made of molasses and okay. honey. Okay. That's sugar. Um, pasta is a big one. And I'm telling you, when I say white bread, you should be a no-no on. And I say pasta, you should be a no-no on. The, the look of abject depression Yes. comes on these patients' faces yeah. because they love bread and white bread in particular, and they love pasta. Now, am I saying the no-no that you're never going to do it? Well, if you never do it, you're going to lose weight fast, mm-hmm. and your cholesterol is going to come down fast, yeah. and your sugars are going to be cured. Now, the interesting thing is they say, what's a diabetic diet? The no-no diet is a diabetic diet because diabetics, and I'm talking about type 2 diabetics, not type 1s who have no insulin. That's a whole other topic. Those are the kids and young adults who need insulin. But if you have type 2 diabetes, you should be on the no-no diet. The reason is because your insulin is not efficient. It's not produced in your body enough, and it's not working well enough. For those just tuning in, by the way, you're hearing advice from Dr. Franklin Weefold. He's sitting across the table from a guy who's a type 2 diabetic. I am a type 2 diabetic, and I know for sure... 
that if I grab a pack of nabs, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw my sugar off. Right. I say snack crackers to them. So here's my seven no-no list. It's white bread and buns, biscuits, yeah. anything made out of potatoes. And mm-hmm. then I name the sugary snacks, you know, ho-hos and stuff like that. Snack crackers. People think for some reason saltines and cheeses are okay. They're not. They're made out of white flour. <laughs> um, pasta, white yeah. rice, and any white potato product. Now, the sweet potato yes. is actually good for you because it doesn't cause this high glycemic index. For some reason, and I got to look this up to be smart, sure. the sweet potato doesn't do it to you. So, what are the substitutes? Whole grain flour, whole, no, whole grain bread. Um, um, pure rice, and I mean not processed rice. That's very good for you. Unfortunately, whole wheat pasta doesn't cut it. Um, okay. And the potato products, you can go to sweet potatoes. There's a vegetable pasta? Yeah. You think that's good? Uh, and you know, I've heard about this. This okay. is what, made out of cauliflower? Yeah, it's made out of veggies. Yeah. What's it taste like? Uh, rock. Crap? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. That's it's unfortunate. But it, the true. more you eat of the crap, the more the crap, <laughs> and I mean, if people think a crap is the bad stuff, I think a crap is the good stuff. I have a little saying. Greens and meat are what you should eat. Very good. We'll end with that. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. We are on uh, hearthealthradio.com, also iTunes, and WPTF.com. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.